Howdy friends, Craig here. In this episode, we pick the brain of John Fox to get all the secrets of how to effectively play Bayou Zip and the infamous crew. Stick around to the end where I force him to reveal some of the best ways to counter this frustrating keyword. Before we jump in, our friends at Gadzooks Gaming have a sweet offer for all of our U.S. and Canadian listeners. Now, Gadzooks Gaming has always been a big supporter of The Third Floor, as well as Malifaux and a ton of other games like Wild West Exodus, Dark Age, Frostgrave, and Legion. What makes it my favorite online retailer is the customer service and their amazing custom terrain and accessories. They are giving all of our North American listeners free shipping if you spend over $100 and use the promo code THIRDFLOOR, spelled out one word, T-H-I-R-D. Check them out at gadzoopsgaming.com. All the details are in the show notes. The promo code is third floor. Now on to the episode. I did almost forget somebody that is probably one of the most important schemers in the crew, and that is Maris LaCroix. Oh, is she infamous? He can remove a piano marker, which is big. He can also remove terrain markers. He can remove corpse markers, pyre markers, anything in the game. Like, this is not a guy you want to drop uh, Rasputina against. One you will probably see all of the time in Bayou. This guy is just gross, and that's the first mate. You discard the top ten cards of your fate deck and choose three cards in your discard pile and shuffle them back into the fate deck. Then you draw a card. One more time. What happens now? Being able to go toe-to-toe with Lady Jane surviving uh, says everything we need to know about First Mate. Tabletop Talk Broadcast. Craig here on the third floor. Today we're going to do a deep dive into the Bayou Master Zip and how the infamous crew works in Malifaux 3rd Edition. My guest is John Fox. Now he's a local here in North Carolina and he holds the honored distinction of giving me my first of many round one tournament losses. John was very active in the beta using Bayou and we're happy to have him on the show. So John, welcome to the third floor. Can you give us a little bit of a background on you as a player and what brought you to Malifaux? Oh yeah, absolutely. So um, I actually have a weird sort of move into miniature games because I started with a game called Mage Knight back in like the early 2000s. It's one that pretty much no one knows anymore because it just died a horrible, horrible death. But um, I've played pretty much everything else since then. Yeah, I've heard of Mage Knight, but I've never played it. What was the idea behind it? Um, It was kind of a neat thing because it was done in uh, booster packs. So instead of being like models that you just bought, 
uh, specifically, you know, you went out and bought that model. You bought booster packs and you got random models. Um, it was the precursor to Hero Clicks, which is still around and still fairly popular. Gotcha. And was it played like on a hex or a grid or? No, it was using inches and. Uh, no and kidding. Standard movement. It was pretty fun. Uh, it just. They kind of did this uh, weird rules change, and when they did, it just instantly lost everybody. Plus, superheroes are just much more popular. So when HeroClick started to take off, that's that was it for everything else. Was kids did? Gotcha. So, what did you see a Malifaux model and say, "What is that?" Or did a buddy get you into it? How did it happen? Well, um, I was living down in uh, Wilmington, and I played at uh, the Amazing Cape Fear Games. If you ever get a chance to get down that way, they have one of the best stores that I've ever played at, some of the greatest people. And they had um, all of these first edition Malifaux stuff just hanging around. And it was right when second edition was getting ready to come out. So they were like, we're just going to discount all of this stuff. And I'd been eyeballing it at like $30, $40. When they discounted it all down to like $15, I bought everything Neverborn and everything Resurrectionist that they had. Yeah, it's hard, hard to uh, to uh, turn away a discount like that. And I think that there's some new players here as we transition into third edition. They're doing the same thing with the deep discounts we're seeing on second edition stuff. Oh, I certainly hope so. I think that uh, a lot of the old boxes are definitely going to be great picks, especially if they don't change that much between second edition and third edition. Yeah, I agree. I, I, um, I'm excited by a lot of the new sculpts, but uh, it uh, if I was if I was just getting into the game, now is the time to scoop that stuff up. Well, let's uh, focus a little bit more on our kind of a topic at hand, John. So um, we're going to talk about Zip and the Infamous Crew, and what I'm going to do with John is we're going to dig deep into how he builds an Infamous Crew, and I want to understand you know how he plays them, what are his paths to victory when considering uh, the opponent and the scheme and strategy pool. So, John, let's uh, start off. Can you give us kind of a general overview on Zip? All right. So Zip's entire purpose in the game is to be as annoying as possible, which is perfect because that's exactly what the theme of his character is. Um, this guy is a gremlin who stole a guild airship, and he and his band of pirates basically run around causing mayhem and mischief and driving everyone crazy. And he does this on the board almost exclusively. I think the big take for me with Zip is that I don't look at what strategies does he do well. I look at what does he make my opponent have to work harder for, because that's what Zip is. Zip is all about denial. Yeah, that, it uh, it's kind of a, a cool uh, angle, I think, um, for a master. And um, I like that perspective, John, where you say, you know, he may this may not be the best strategy or pool for him to score in, but it's going to be really hard for my opponent to score. And I only need to pick up a few points to win the game. Oh yeah, absolutely. That's, that's exactly what Zib does. So um, the entire infamous keyword has the showboating ability, which is um, not game breaking. There's, there's some like keyword abilities that are just absolutely like amazing and Zip's keyword is good, but I wouldn't classify it as game-changing. So showboating just says, if you cheat during your activation, you get to draw a card at the end of the activation. So it's basically a filter, which means that you can play a little looser with your hand, 
And you can even, if you want to, like, cheat a duel you know you're going to lose just so you can get a card back. So you can throw a one or a two and hopefully take a gamble on getting a better card. I think that's one of the biggest things for uh, especially new Zip players to pick up on because, you know, when I initially looked at Zip, that had never even crossed my mind. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, so a decent, you know, one card card cycling per activation. But uh, I think the first time someone suggested, you know, hey, you're going to lose this duel anyway, so why don't you just cheat that one? or that two or that three, and you're, you know, likely to be pulling in a better card. That's when it kind of unlocked in my head. At the the least, you're just going to break even, which is fine. You get a low card off the top of your deck, which is good anyway. So there's no downsides to showboating. Um, The other ability that shows up a lot is this um, really cool ability called um, free loot. You effectively get to pick up an enemy scheme marker within two inches, draw a card, and place yourself where that enemy scheme marker was. So this is situational, but it's pretty good. Like The ability to just have a bonus action to get out of combat can make a big difference to survivability. Well, yeah, and it's it's really kind of a twofold benefit, right? Because you've got you've got the movement, which you know, the more I'm talking to people in these deep dives, the there's one theme that keeps popping up, which is, you know, placement on the board and the ability to efficiently move on the board are huge in this third edition. So with this ability, you're talking about not only do I get some movement, uh, some placement, but you're also picking up scheme markers. And, you know, there's a reason that opponent put that one down there. So I think we're going back to what you said right out of the gate, which is, um, you know, he, he's going to be, he's going to be a huge speed bump between you and scoring points or your opponent and scoring points. Absolutely. It's more denial, which is exactly what uh, zip does. And if you love movement, well, zips crew is the crew to do it. It's probably one of the most mobile crews in the game. Um, and that's that's what Zip Zip is all about. He is absolutely one of the fastest, one of the fastest models in the game. He moves at uh, eight, and that's so incredible. It really is, and it's fly right. It's not only eight inches; it's an eight inch fly. Yeah, it's fly. Which is, and if you've listened to any of uh, the Schemes of Stones podcast, you know that flight is pretty exceptional right now because it's a place and not a move. Yeah. And, you know, Malifaux is meant to be played with a lot of terrain. And uh, if you, in fact, are doing that, uh, flight and the ability to ignore um, and do that place is is a big deal. How about um, any kind of offensive abilities? Uh, He absolutely does. He has, um, well, he has a famous zip gun, which has a blast on every single damage track. So that's pretty cool. Even the men? Even the men. It's a two blast, three blast, five blast damage track. And anything that is damaged by it gets pushed one inch in any direction. So he's already moving people around. He just happens to hit that blast. We're on an eight inch range on the gun and a stat six. So it's pretty decent. Yeah, in the uh, uh, Raspy um, Rasputina deep dive I did with uh, Robert, um, I think we really kind of made a big point of this is, you know, you, you read something like that and you say, well, one inches, that's not that big of a deal. Um, but when you 
see it on the table and it comes into play when you realize an inch means a lot more now in third edition than second edition. And when almost all of the scoring is based off of where models are at any point in time, a one inch can be the difference between a score and no score. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and he has triggers too that just make it even more silly. Um, you can have a trigger to add another blast to the damage so you can hit more models with it. And you have a convulsion trigger, which moves the, the target an additional three inches. And you can discard a card uh, to move zip three inches. So <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting frustrated listening to this, <laughs> let alone playing against it. <laughs> yeah. Zip just keeps moving around. He also has um, a melee ability called Up We Go. Um, this is the same one that Karis has, I believe. It's a two inch range. It's versus size. It's a stat three, but it's versus size. And you place the model anywhere within three inches of its current position. It takes a two, three, four damage. Then he has a trigger that once again pushes the target three more inches and then places zip in base contact with it. Or it gains injured one for every crow. In the, and it doesn't have a built-in trigger. So, you know, your one, if you spend a soul stone, I guess you could get two crows. But injured one is really good right off the bat. Yeah, injured um, in the build in the way the injured stacks, uh, especially that it, it, that again another ability that you read and go okay, but when you see it on the table, it's critical. And, and I think that for those listeners out there that have you know have yet to play third edition, that have just been you know looking at third edition, it uh, I'll warn you right now, um, you have to get models on the table. Um, so if you're reading a model and you think, oh, that's fine, or that's no big deal, or it seems overcosted, get it on the table, get a game or two in with every model you think that. And, and I think you're going to find um, that, you know, stuff that you discounted because of, you know, it didn't read strong, or maybe, you know, in the, in the framework of second edition, it didn't seem strong. third edition is a different game. Absolutely. I agree with that a hundred percent. There are models that I've looked at and just have thought why. And we'll talk about one of those actually here when we get to the versatile models that I just looked at and I was like, why would I ever take this? And when I put it down on the table, I was like, Oh, Oh yeah, that's why. Um, But getting back to zip, we have one more very important thing that he does. It's pretty much his key thing. He drops pianos on people. Um, Piano markers are 40 millimeters. They're, I'm pretty sure, the only terrain marker that is 40 millimeters. Uh, I don't know why that decision was made, but it's very important. Don't bring 50s. They're 40s. Um, they're impassable. They're high three. They're destructible, so you can move them. But zip drops one at six inches, and he can give up two cards or he can give up pass tokens to create additional markers. And what's the height on them again, John? They're height three. That's nice. So they're going to block everything. And this is why one of the reasons I absolutely love Zip is that he can run run around. He's super fast. He gets up the board. If the terrain, and like we said, Malifaux is a very terrain-heavy game. So if the terrain provides... He can just drop two markers right next to each other, and you've got to spend AP to remove those markers, or you're going to have to go around them to get to do what you want to do. And with Malifaux being a very action, uh, 
oriented game, losing that extra AP to go around or to remove markers is a big deal. Yeah. Efficiency of action is another theme that keeps coming out of uh, these deep dives. And, you know, you don't think about it um, necessarily this way, but, you know, when you put all your models on the table and your opponent puts all their models on the table, there's five turns. So there really is a, a limited pool of actions and anything that you can do to take away that resource from your opponent is is going to, you know, greatly increase your chances of winning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to round off the, the final list of Zips Annoyance, he has the chatty aura, which means that you have to discard cards to interact, which is super frustrating. And he has a bonus action, which is boring conversation. So it's a six inch aura. And until the end of phase, when an enemy model within range declares a non-walk action, it must pass a TN 10 willpower duel of the action fails. Now, a 10 willpower yeah, duel isn't that it's not that big a deal, but it's more cards possibly out of your hand and more yeah, flips. Yeah, it's putting the pressure. Yeah, yep. like if my opponent flips a 13 on that duel, I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's a 13 that you didn't get on the on the swing that opponent was about to take. So that kind of gets into his defensive abilities. Uh, what's keeping Zip alive? Uh, the only thing that really keeps Zip alive is his trigger, which is blasting off again. Um, great Pokemon reference there, but... Uh, he uh, has a after-resolving trigger that places him anywhere within six inches of his current location. So it's if he gets hit, if he doesn't get hit, if you spend a mask or you have a mask, he's going to move six inches. He's going to place six inches away, which might put him behind terrain, but it's definitely going to put him out of uh, their threat range for the most part. Yeah, and now is that on defense or willpower? It is on defense. Okay, gotcha. And is the mask built in? It is not built in. So you do have to spend gotcha. for that. Okay. And really, that's it. Like, other than that, his mobility, I think, is a big defensive trick for him. Like, he's not yep. going to be easy to pin down. You're going to probably be dropping piano markers in the way. Like, it's going to be tough to get to zip. Um, I want to say I've played probably 12, 13 games with Zip since the beta started, and he's died exactly once. Oh, that's that's pretty good. He's just too fast. And hopefully you've got other threats that uh, they have to worry about more than Zip. Now, is there... Is he really? A, it sounds. It sounds to me like he's a pretty independent master. So it, it, that that he doesn't really have, you know, kind of that linchpin support role with the rest of his crew. Is 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 he can? It sounds like he can be pretty independent of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. You can definitely play him independent. Um, when we get into the rest of the crew, you'll see where they kind of use some of his stuff, especially the piano markers, to uh, to get some benefits. But yeah, he can be very independent. It's kind of cool because you can build zip very thematic with all of his keyword models or you can dip into versatile models um or you can even use him as a great probably one of the best secondary masters in the game yeah yeah i think that uh, i anticipate we're going to see him be a very popular hire uh, from other bayou and even outcast masters oh without a doubt without a doubt i think he brings a lot to outcast especially but to bayou it's just i mean anything you can do to keep your opponent's off of being on top of you. It's perfect. Yep. Yeah. Bayou can be squishy. So that, that having, having the, uh, you know, 
all of that stuff, the piano markers, the speed and everything like that has got to be a pretty big deal. Um, so I think we can kind of categorize zip is a, uh, uh, piss you off master. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's, that's it. He is absolutely. And like I said, I love the fact that he blends his theme into the model on the table. Like this guy is doing exactly what you expect a crazy gremlin sky pirate to be doing. Yeah. I, I, so far I give, uh, both Kyle and Matt a ton of credit. I think that they, from a design perspective have done a really good job of making what was already a pretty fluffy game, even fluffier. Um, I mean the, my big takeaway from a lot of these deep dives, you know, whether it be Karis or Rasputina, um, we've got, uh, you know, the Marcus one that just came out. It, uh, they just, they just feel like they read and hear on the breachside broadcast. Uh, they, they, they did a heck of a job with that. Oh, without a doubt. And that's one of the things like that brought me into Malifaux. Like when, especially when second edition was coming out, I was looking at all these models and I was like, these guys are really cool. Like here's Seamus with his, like, you know, his undead prostitutes. And then here's, uh, you know, McMorning and he's got these crazy flesh constructs and this is really cool. And I think by the end of second edition, we kind of drifted away from that a little bit and started looking at like, I agree. What are the more, efficient models to play, but the keyword system has really brought us back into, I can play the cool themes and I'm not sacrificing anything to play the cool themes. Yeah. And it not only encourages those, those themed crews, but even more fun is the fact that they feel thematic, right? So mechanically they feel like their theme. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And Zip is very much that. I mean, showboating and infamous says it all. These guys want attention. They're going to get your attention and they're going to do it in the most obnoxious ways possible. (laughs) That's so cool. All right, John, what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. When we get back from the break, I want to talk a little bit um, outside of uh, just Zip. Um, So you'll have Zip. We'll talk about his totem. But I want to talk about other things that you're um, hiring on a regular basis. So we'll be right back. Howdy friends, Craig here. With 3rd Edition Malifaux released, it's time for you to get a new mat with new deployment zones. We've tried every mat in the business and nobody has better quality and selection than Mats by Mars. They're waterproof and they roll and unroll easily and they're even wet erase Marco compatible. They offer over 35 designs and let you add M3E overlays for making deployment and positioning a breeze. Check them out at matsbymars.com. They are offering a sweet discount for our listeners. After you found the perfect mat, use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get 10% off your entire order. If you really want to support us in the notes of your order, request that our logo be put in the corner of your mat. It's the only way to make the best mat in the business even cooler. Again, that's Matt by Mars. Use the promo code THIRDFLOOR to get a 10% discount. Details are in the show notes. So the infamous Zip is, you know, doing his thing, uh, frustrating the heck out of uh, his opponent. Um, I've got a sneaking suspicion he's not the only annoying model uh, with the keyword infamous. So, John, can we talk about a little bit about kind of the core crew? So what I'm finding in these deep dives is most people I'm talking to, they, they have anywhere from three to six models that are just consistently making up uh, their, their thematic, you know, keyword crew. And, you know, then they're flexing, you know, anywhere from, you know, five to 
to 20 uh, stones after that. Um, I really want to get a sense of, you know, who, who's the core crew for you? Who always gets hired as soon as you decide you're going to play Zip? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, you can't talk about Zip without his totem, Earl. Um, poor Earl is a human that was a mechanic on the ship, and he just got drug along with Zip because he can fix things. And this guy is... Uh, so first thing we forgot to talk about with Zip, he can't interact. He literally has better things to do. Oh. Um, so Earl does it for him. Earl gets to move along with any model that is nearby, any friendly model that's nearby. He gets to tag along if he's close to them. So basically... Zip is constantly dragging Earl along. And in my mind, I'm always just imagining him like grabbing onto Zip's leg, like barely hanging over the battlefield, <laughs> like terrified, you know, but he is how Zip does interactions and he does it really well. Um, he can also drop piano tokens. He can't drop as many as Zip, but an extra token on the board is an extra token on the board. And he has the ability to heal constructs, which doesn't come into play very often. But when it does, it's a nice little clutch. You know, oh, I just healed something, and that's awesome. So Now, is Zip a construct? Zip is not a construct. Gotcha, okay. Um, but Iron Skeeters are, right. which is important. Um, so he has the looted supplies ability at the start of his activation. If he's in base contact with their scrap or a corpse marker, he can draw a card. And of course, because you're placing him after zip moves, you can pretty much make sure you're going to be able to place him where you need him to be. He also has the ability. If a piano marker is removed within six of him, another friendly model within six may heal one, which oh, is nice. cool. Cause we'll get into how piano markers get moved by your crew and not necessarily even your opponent's crew. Nice, 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 nice. How about um, who's doing damage in an infamous crew? Who's who, who's your core beaters? Oh, boy. So we got two guys. One you will probably see all of the time in Bayou. This guy is just gross, and that's the first mate. So for nine points, you get probably one of the best henchmen. I'm going to go ahead and say in the game, but we'll see as that plays out. He has stealth. He has butterfly jump. He has pounce. He has showboating. Yeah. Like this guy has all the stuff. He has an ability called carry the loot. So after an enemy scheme mark within six is removed, he can draw a card. Um, he has a two, three, five attack that has a built in crit strike. He has leap. Wow. Yeah. With a trigger to take an extra action. Yeah. So this guy is absolutely just a monster. Um, and he has both the infamous and the swamp fiend keyword. So you're going to see him in zip. You're going to see him in Zoraida. You probably will even see him in Neverborn Zoraida. This guy is just mean. Yeah, that's um, that's a lot of abilities for uh, nine points. How many wounds does he have? He has nine wounds. So that's pretty good. He doesn't man. really and have he can, any. And he can use stones. Yeah, you can use stones. That's really his only defensive tech outside of stealth and butterfly jump. But butterfly jump is amazing. Um, there was a game at that uh, first tournament that we did for the beta where he squared off against Lady J in the corner trying to score a power ritual. And every time she would attack him, he just butterfly jumped three inches away. And between yep. my soul stones, he just couldn't kill first mate. So I was able to get that uh, power ritual point because he just jump out, drop the marker again. And lady J would have to keep coming after him. 
being able to go toe to toe with Lady Jane surviving uh, says everything we need to know about first mate. Yeah, especially if you consider the fact that once you get on him, that's it. He doesn't have any armor or anything else. He continues the infamous annoying yeah. tendency. Um, and now you mentioned, you said there was two. So we, we're going to see a lot of first mate. Who else might we see? All right. So our favorite gremlin wrestler has made it over to infamous. Mancha Roja. He has 10 soul stones for an absolutely huge beat stick. So you've got uh, showboating. You've got flurry. You've got rush. You've got um, the defensive trigger for Cage Fighter, which is built in. So it's a 2-3-4 damage flip if you hit him. Um, he's hard to wound. And he has an ability called My Time Is Now. So if he is near a piano marker when his activation ends, he gets shielded too. Oh, wow. So hard to wound, shielded too, Cage Fighter. You're not going to want to try to go into this guy unless you can take him out in a hit or two. Like, he is a big beat stick. Um, he's got a three, four, five damage Ooh. track and he can remove a non scheme marker. If he does, then, um, the target gains injured one as well as take damage. So he could remove a piano marker if need be. He can remove a piano marker, which is big. He can also remove terrain markers. He can remove corpse markers, pyre markers, yeah. anything in the game. Like, this is not a guy you want to drop uh, Rasputina against. Uh, Reva really doesn't want to see him on the board. Like, pretty much Titania probably doesn't want to see him on the board. Yeah, that's good. He has a trigger that allows him to get plus one damage for each condition on the target. Now, keep in mind, he already gives them injured. Mm-hmm. So any other triggers, like he can get up to plus two. So that's a min five. Well, as a McMorning player, I just got a shiver because, you know, I'm loading up my my crew with poison. And all that does is just increase the amount of damage that uh, this wrestler can do against yep. me. And he's flurry. So he's going to hit you twice, discard a card, hit you again. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. How about uh, who's doing the scheming? All right. So scheming is, is a little weird. Um, we do have stuffed piglet or flying piglets. Sorry. We have flying piglets in infamous flying piglets are pretty cool for only a three cost. You get a significant move five flyer and they turn into a scheme marker when they die. So even if you kill them, they're still doing their job. Uh, these guys are awesome. They basically are just going to make it around the board. You can hire as many of them as you need to hire and they're just going to get in the way. Um, another good model is the Iron Skeeter. It's a little expensive. It's cost seven, but it's also a move seven flight model and it has sputtering exhaust. So it gets concealment. So it, when it's not activating, so it can hide. And it can drag models with it, right? It has a bonus action for fly with me. So yeah, you can grab a model, fly it off, um, do the thing. Um, I've definitely, and it's a size three. So it can pick up pretty much every Gremlin model because most of them are one. Um, you can be really funny if you want to give it the upgrade, uh, the trench coat upgrade, which gives it plus one size. And then it picks up Mancha and wow. it's flying Mancha around too. It, um, now, is it, some of that, sometimes you'll see uh, a limit on those abilities. Um, can he pick up Zip um, if he has that upgrade? Is there a limit to non-master? There's not a limit. It's just target another friendly model with lower size. Nice. As a matter of fact, um, one of my favorite lists with uh, with him is to take uh, Ophelia in the crew. 
and then have him fly Ophelia around so she can spend all of her activation shooting things. Very, very nice. So <clears throat> it sounds like, you know, first made is, is, is high value, but expensive. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the Matarosha is also not a cheap model. It sounds like iron skeeters aren't cheap models. Um, how big is your standard zip crew end up being? Um, it's, Usually the standard, uh, the standard for M3, which seems to be between eight and nine models, just really depends on uh, what I want to do with the crew. So usually either I will go sort of a kind of heavy bringing in my elite crew, which is going to be Bird Jepson and Gracie and First Mate, um, because Bird Jepson and Gracie are both infamous as well. So they kind of work as like an elite pair. Mm -hmm. Or if I see that there's going to be a lot of terrain markers and such, then I'll switch over and play Mancha Roja and the Rasslers. And the Rasslers are basically just five-point mini Mancha Rojas. So they're they're cheap beaters. Yeah, they're, they're super cheap. They're only five points, and they have basically all of his abilities, um, including being able to pick up a marker and punch people with it now within within keyword you know I, i'm hearing i'm hearing the beaters uh i'm hearing the, uh you know the um uh schemers is there any pieces that you would consider you know infamous support models in infamous crews there aren't really like in in infamous itself doesn't really have much in the way of support uh -huh. uh, most of their models are kind of independent which i think is cool because once again that's part of like that being infamous, like you kind of want to get all the attention to yourself. Right. I did almost forget somebody that is probably one of the most important schemers in the crew. And that is Maris LaCroix. Oh, is she infamous? Flight seven moves. She can drop shockwave markers. She is amazing. And she will show yeah, up. She's good. Probably. I would say between 80 to 90% of my infamous crews. God, that is a fast crew. My friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's ridiculously fast. And when we get into talking about um when we end up talking about like how we play schemes and strats, that's the big deal. I bet. Um well before we head in that direction, how about uh out of keyword or versatile models? Uh what any of them, you know, tend to be a, a common hire? All right, so we were talking about models that um you know, when you put them on the you don't know about how good they are till you put them on the table. And I think there's one model in the past couple of weeks that has just turned my head once I started playing him. And that is gluttony. Interesting. So, so this guy is a cost seven model. He has manipulative. He has um, the resonance ability, which doesn't matter if you're playing him by himself. But he has an ability that says after an enemy model within six inches takes an interactor, drops an enemy scheme marker, gains a, a send token. Um, he has consumed by gluttony, which says when an enemy model would drop a scheme, enemy scheme marker, they can discard a skin marker, a sin marker to drop a friendly scheme, scheme marker instead. Ooh, that's nice. It's pretty cool. But the thing I like him for with Zip is he has maddening drums. It's a 10 inch range versus willpower. Choose a marker within six inches in line of sight of the target. Push the target into base contact with the chosen marker. Remove all markers in base contact with the target. And that target suffers two damage for every marker removed this way to a max of four. So uh, you're pushing them into piano markers. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Absolutely. And it's four damage, no flip. Like there's, right. you know, there's no damage. Work. It's just a flat four damage. And a lot of models in this game that are not masters can't take four damage 
without any significance. Like that's a big deal. Yeah, that is a big deal. And it, it, is it an opposed duel to get it off or is it just, it is. It, it is. Okay. Gotcha. So that's six you, versus willpower. Got it. Okay. All right. Wow. That's still pretty good though. And, um, I didn't, you know, I haven't looked beyond, uh, uh, Rezzers as far as the Crossroads 7. Um, I didn't realize that sin uh, mechanic it applies. Is that across all Crossroads 7s? I haven't even really looked. I know that um, Sloth has it, but uh, it looks like all of them have it, so that's cool. Yeah, the sin token thing is is definitely good for them. Um, but yeah, Gluttony just, like, he's a solid model altogether, but he also, once again, is a huge denial model that if you're dropping scheme markers, I'm punishing you for it. Yep. Yep, that's good. How about other versatile models? Well, um, you'll be remiss to not talk about the Lucky Emissary. Um, we already have a couple big beaters in the crew, but this guy has armor ignore on a trigger, which is a big thing. Uh, one of the, the kind of key weaknesses, I think, for Bayou in general is that they don't do really well against um, defensive tech. So armor, shielded, incorporeal, they struggle against. So having one guy in there that could possibly break your armor, pretty good. Plus he's mobile, so he fits with the crew. That's very cool. And, and it's a cool model. So I would love to be able, you never really saw him on the table in two. And I've always thought it was such a neat model. It'll make me happy if we start seeing him on the table in three. Yeah, he's absolutely, he's, he's, a, he's a neat model. Um, and I think you'll see him quite a bit. bit. Um, the other guy I think that you're going to see a lot in... Uh, Bayou and everybody that I know has been talking about him is Big Brain Bryn. Yeah, tell me about him. He's he's vicious. Um, he doesn't. He's another one of those models that when you first look at him, you're like, I'm not really sure why I'm taking this guy. He's a nine soul soul uh, henchman. Out of you know, he's a little expensive when you get him out of keyword, but he's your only source of arcane reservoir in the faction. So that's good. It's always good. He has intuition. So you're looking at the top three cards um, of his of the deck when he activates. Um, he's really hard to take down, actually, because he has serene countenance and he has protected Bayou. So if he's near another gremlin, you're not killing him very, very easily. Um, but the big thing he does is calculate the possibilities. So it's a seven stat and you have seven for it to go off. You've done intuition, so you should have the seven. Um, you discard the top 10 cards of your fate deck and choose three cards in your discard pile and shuffle them back into the fate deck. Then you draw a card. All right. One more time. What happens now? <laughs> you discard 10 cards. You take 10 cards off the top of your deck, put them in your discard pile. Okay. You put three cards from your discard pile back into your deck and you draw a card. Oh, that's really good. It is super good. If your deck is pretty thick right now and you really don't want, like you look at your hand and I've got like, oh, I've got three severes in my hand, shuffle 10 cards off, put a couple severes back. You've probably gotten rid of a lot of weeks and moderates you weren't going to use anyway. Yeah, that's good. He has condition removal, which is good. Not only is it condition removal, but it gains, gives you focus as well. Huge. Um, and he has a minion only obey. So <laughs> cheapers. How much is he? He is nine or eight points, nine points out of a, out of a keyword. So and what key, he's a little what expensive, keyword is he? But he does. He's Trixie. He's Moss. 
Oh, wow, that's good. Yes. Yes. So he's a big deal. Like this guy just is the support, I think, that that Bayou wants and needs. I don't put him in every list, but I have definitely talked to people that are like, yeah, he's going to be everywhere. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of utility there, a lot of utility and combined with zips, card cycling and stuff. That's that's a pretty strong combination. I could see it where it'd be worth the uh, out of keyword tax. Now, we talked, John, about, um, you know, the fact that a zip makes a great hire um, for other Bayou Masters. Are you ever, or have you tried hiring in, you mentioned Ophelia. Have you hired in Ophelia before? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I did it, um, against, uh, poor Marcus, um, in the lady J game. Uh, he just didn't know what to do about her. Like she just shot things around. And when he got lady J near her, the Skeeter just picked Ophelia up, carried her off. She continued shooting things. Um, so Ophelia is really good to give you some more range options. Um, Zareda is another secondary master that I've brought in once or twice. I mean, if you want more cards, Zareda is the way to do it. If you want to obey people, Zareda is the way to do it. Like Zareda, I think, is another third edition boogeyman that you're going to see around a lot. Yeah, you're hearing a lot of chatter about how good she is. And, and it's perfectly justified. Her obey um, that has a trigger for a second action is just ridiculous. Yeah, that's efficient as hell. Um, the other thing to talk about are upgrades, because I think upgrades are a big deal. So um, Gremlins have three upgrades, as does everyone. Um, but the two to really talk about are going to be 12 cups of coffee and uh, inferiority complex. So 12 cups of coffee has a uh, diversion ability, so enemy models can't uh, declare bonus actions within four inches. If you put it on Zip, this is another way Zip is going to absolutely just become a focus for my opponent doesn't do anything. Um, and mark territory as a bonus action. Remove all scheme markers within range. Gain a focus for each marker removed that way. So, um if you put it on a minion, they get twitchy. So after another model ends its activation, if this model is unengaged, it just gets to move one. More mobility on anything in Zip's crew is just icing on the cake. Like it's scripts. Yeah, that's pretty good, man. I've and you and I have, um, you know, in our local chat, I keep hearing you say that you you th- you. Uh, suspect that Bayou is where we're going to see the most common uses uh, uh, of the generic upgrades. Oh, without a doubt, especially when you look at the next one, which is inferiority complex. Um, it gives ruthless, so ignores terrifying manipulative. It gets swagger, so you get free focus whenever you walk. And um, if it's a minion, it gets bully. This isn't as good in Zip, really, because Zip isn't his minions aren't really dealing too much with uh, other models. But swagger and ruthless on, say, Mancha Roja or... Mm-hmm on the, you know, the already juggernaut that is, uh, uh, the first mate, just gross. And what's bully. I'm not familiar with it. Uh, bully says that if the model is a lower cost than the model that has bully, you get to add a free suit to your attacks. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Those are, those are good upgrades, man. Good upgrades. When we talk about other crews where in, in Bayou, with um with obeys that are lower cost models, we're definitely going to talk about inferior complex and bully because it's huge. Yeah, I could see that. 
Um, any other models we need to uh, make sure we give uh, a shout out to? That's pretty much it. That's in, in Zips Cruise. Those are all the models I'm going to be looking at. Very nice. Um, what we're going to do now, uh, John, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back from the break, I want to talk a little bit more about how the pool and the faction and masters declared by your opponent um, are impacting your builds. Uh, so we'll be right back. Howdy folks, Craig here. Now, if you love gadgets as much as we do, you're going to love the new Third Floor Wars Gadget Bundle from Schooner Labs. Branded with the logo of your favorite podcast, it comes with two measuring multi-tools, a compass stepper for those tight and important movements, along with a compact dashboard to track your turn, strat, and scheme scoring along with your soul stones and pass tokens. It is the perfect bundle for anyone who plays Malifaux or just wants to look cool while doing it. The link is in the show notes. Check them out and help support your favorite gaming podcast. So now that we have an idea of, you know, really what Zip does and uh, kind of John's core crew um, and uh, really it sounds to me like Zip has a hell of a selection to choose from. I want to um, take us more, uh, bring us a little bit closer to actual gameplay. So, you know, you've, you've got a pool, John, um, your opponent has declared their faction. You've got your core crew. You've got your flex stones. Um, can you kind of give me an idea, you know, how all of that's impacting your builds? So let's start specifically with, uh, what is, what is the strategy that makes you immediately think zip is who I'm going to bring to the table? Plan explosives. There's, no other master I even look at in Bayou for playing explosives besides Zip. So you load, you take Maris, you load her up with two explosives, you take um, the first mate, you load him up, you give Earl an explosive or two, and they're going to be across the enemy line, probably on turn one, maybe on turn two, if you're worried about getting shot at all. Like, they're just so fast that, especially in flank or wedge, they're going to be, they're going to be across the board. And yeah, I mean, you, it sounds to me like you could be seeding all four points within the first turn or two. And I think that's how you win plant explosives, honestly. Like, you just drop as much as you can on turn two, and then you spend the rest of the turn denying your opponents, which is also what Zip does, because Zip is going to be dropping piano markers and stopping your opponent from getting to their side of the board. So you scored all yours. They haven't scored theirs. The game, all you got to do is hit your schemes. Yeah, I think um, the sooner you can get your opponent, especially in plant explosives, the sooner you can get them in a, in a position where they're having to decide between denying and scoring, and you're in a position where you're just worried about denying, um, is, is going to put you in a nice spot. Oh, absolutely. And all you have to do, I think, then is just bring Mancha and some wrestlers or something that just to tie people up. Literally, that's all they're yep. doing is just tying people up and keeping them from getting across the board. So, yeah, that's that's good. How about uh, Turf War? You, have you played Zip into Turf War? I have actually. Zip is pretty good into Turf War, once again, for mobility. Um, I think Turf War is a little more of a, you know, kill models to try to you know keep them off of the markers. But Zip does the same thing. If you can pick a quarter and basically say, I'm taking this quarter, you're not getting here, 
and I've already got my side blocked off. You've got three quarters of the board blocked off. Yep. You're you're winning it early and quickly. And you've got the 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 damage dealers that could lock down that middle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Cursed idol. Cursed idol requires mobility, and that's what you want. You don't have the healing like for the most part. When I take cursed idol, I'm going to look at like maybe some others that have some more healing. But there's no reason Zip can't do it because once again, he's going to stop the opponent from getting to the idol markers. So it doesn't really matter if you're taking damage, pushing things around, because if they can't get to it, you're still winning. Yeah. And, you know, looking at Reckoning, I mean, with Reckoning, it's obviously, you know, killing power is important. But I think, and again, this is talk about being a broken record. Mobility is important because you need to get to the models that you need to kill. Um, I would imagine, you know. Obviously, first mate, I think would probably be good into reckoning um, because of his mobility. Um, but uh, you know how how squishy are things? I mean, is he good? I'm just infamous in general. How are they into reckoning? Um, they're pretty squishy, but once again, I kind of like Zip for it because he's got a blast on every gun, like on every track of his gun. So he's softening things up for the late turns where you're going to want to kill more. So I think zip is not about like getting in there. If you're playing him into reckoning, it's not about getting him in there and just murdering everything as fast as possible. He's playing this kind of long game where he's softening you up Mm -hmm. and then he's going to send his guys in. Like you don't want to send wrestlers in right off the bat. They're squishy. Um, I think Mancha is a little tougher than he looks because if you drop a piano marker near him, he's going to get shielded too. So he's got hard to wound, shielded two, and he's got juggernaut to heal up. A lot going on there. So Mancha kind of can stick around and be like, you're not moving me and I'm not moving you. But if you get close to me, I'm going to knock you, you know, right. knock your head off. So, And I would think that this is where you might look to Ophelia as a higher too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ophelia is definitely a nice second higher because she's going to do the same thing that Zip does. She's going to be firing in, softening things up getting ready for that big go on like turn three or four where you try to kill as many models as possible. So let's, let's build a dream pool real quick, John. So you've got plant explosives is, is the strategy. What are the, you know, two to five schemes that you're really hoping to see uh, in that pool? Well, I'm going to want to be in their side of the board. So breakthrough power ritual, both great schemes for zip to do because he's already there. He's already in the way he's at some point he can basically just drop Earl off in the opponent's side of the board, and Earl can be dropping scheme markers while Zip goes off and does his thing. So um, you definitely want to see those two. I think um, Take Prisoner is another actually pretty good one for him because his guys are so mobile Mm -hmm. that you can just zip over to something, grab it, and then, you know, there's hardly any way. They're so quick, it's hardly any way to get away from them. Um, deliver a message is kind of the same way. Like the guys are squishy. So you want to be careful as to not, um, do it too early. They can do it. Like it's, it's easy. So I'm definitely going to want to see, uh, deliver message. I'm going to want to see breakthrough plant explosive, um, owl flank. Once again, mobility is huge. Yep. Well, now, when we look at a pool, uh, especially when it comes to schemes, you know, our first instinct is to say, you know, what are, what are the schemes that I'm really good at scoring or what master or keyword am I going to bring because they could score on all of these? I think the, kind of the next level thinking, though, is to look at a scheme pool and not only say, you know, this pool, I'm going to bring, you know, this keyword because it's going to be able to score that. But um, 
you also want to see schemes out there that you can deny um, because Absolutely. your opponent's picking out of the same pool. Um, so I'd love to know, like, what are what are some schemes you like to see? Not because you're going to take them, but because you're going to make it really hard to score them. Well, once again, I think uh, those same schemes kind of fall in, like breakthrough. They're not getting across the board, so you're fine with them. If they want to take breakthrough, good luck, especially because I have free loot. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, anybody that you do drop, I'm getting close to and just removing markers. Like the whole crew has ability to remove enemy scheme markers on bonus actions. So you're not wasting your big AP. You're just using bonus actions. Um, assassinate zips so hard to pin down. Assassinate is very difficult to get off on him. So I'm fine with that. Same thing with deliver a message. You're not going to catch up to zip, so that's fine. Yeah, that's very cool. Like, there's not a scheme I think that he can't deny. Yeah, well, that's his purpose, right? Um, so it, it's good that uh, that it goes across, uh, you know, everything that you're going to see in that pool. Um, that that's. Um, like I said, like <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm frustrated and I haven't even played against him yet. Um, <laughs> and, but you know. It's something and I uh, that I'm also really liking too is you know it, it feels like we're seeing we're not seeing uh, I'm trying to think of the way, best way to put this. There's such uniqueness in these keywords. Um, I mean, I love how you know infamous is is really its own thing. It's got its own mechanics. Um, it's got its own purpose, its own place in the world. And you know, that and it's not like any other keyword out there. And the more deep dives that we've been doing and the more I'm learning about all of these other keywords, it, it really seems to be something that they uh pulled off with uh with a with a banner um in third edition. Um like when you look at all the other keywords in Bayou that you've played, John, are, are you getting that feeling that you have got a nice smorgasbord of of uh looks and feels oh absolutely absolutely um i think bayou a part of the reason i went to bayou when we started third edition was a it didn't get a lot of play testing traditionally so i was like i'm gonna play test these guys um i've got a whole faction of them because my son played and then he went off to college so he just handed me his stuff so i'm like i've got this whole faction i want to test them out i want to see them be good they're so much fun and then when i got into playing in the beta I was just amazed because, you know, instead of just taking these usual suspects, you know, you always saw Frank, you always saw Brewster Riders, you always saw, you know, just the same models over and over again. Even though Bayou didn't get a new master, the whole faction feels new. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm feeling that with all the factions, which is so, so exciting. And you talk about, you know, seeing the same models. I think of all the factions in second edition, the worst offender was Bayou. It, it, it seemed like regardless of what master was chosen in gremlins at the time, you always saw like three or four models in every single crew. Um, and you know, this keyword system is doing a good job of moving away from that. Um, which makes me very happy. And I think just being able to make, um, everybody, the gap between masters just a little bit closer like every time i look at at bayou masters i'm like well i can take zip and i know i could probably play zip solo my entire malifaux career and never get tired of him because he's just so good at what he does but i could also bring brewmaster or i could bring ma or i could bring sommer and i would have a good experience of the game 
which is which is awesome. Like I love that. Um, you know, there's not any master right now in Bayou that I can look at and go, yeah, this guy's never going to see play. Yeah, John, you and I've talked about this before offline. Um, and you know, like me, you've played a lot of games. Um, not Jim Ortiz, a lot of games, or Paul, a lot of games, but we <laughs> played a lot of games. And um, I, 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 we've agreed that a even in second edition, um, Malfo was the most balanced. Um, you know, across across the board, uh, from power levels, from model to model, and, and master to master, but uh, it feels even tighter now in third. Uh, so something that I think that was a strength of the game in second edition could prove to be an, an even bigger strength into third. Oh, without a doubt. Like you know, when we talk about um, one of the the key things that everybody was a little worried about was was sort of the um, the tightening things up, the the simplifying a lot of things. Um, but I think when they did that, it opened up an ability to go even further into depth with, you know, so we're not spending so much time arguing about, well, this guy does that and this right. guy does that and this guy does that. We have uniqueness, but we also have a uniformity so that, you know, we know when I say, oh, this guy has flurry, we yep. know what flurry does. And that's fine. Like, especially when it comes to, you know, being able to just make all of your crews do the things that you want them to do. Um, I think when you look at like, especially Bayou and you were to look at like Brewmaster from second edition, Brewy didn't, he had this idea of what he did do, but the rules and the complexity of, of how he did things prevented him from doing all those things. Now, Brewery just does what he does and it works within the game. And I think it's the same with Zip too. Like Zip Yeah, I think I'm sorry. I think Brewery is a good example of something that I think that's significant because when you when you were in a tournament and your opponent played declared brew, uh, brewmaster and you had never played against brewmaster you're going to you're going to spend 5 to 10 minutes before the game starts trying to wrap your head around the rules that brewmaster you know uses and then you know during the game you're like wait a minute so this then that and then then this and i, I mean he was complicated and he was complicated to play against let alone to play and this um reducing reducing the complexity um really, I think helps with that. And, you know, I think Brewmaster is a great example of it, John. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, you know, I think Zip is kind of the same way because like Zip got more and more complex as they started adding upgrades to him in second edition. Now in third, they've taken that essence of what he was, they've condensed it and he's still just as annoying as he was, but he's also just as complex as you want him to be. Yeah. I don't think we lost any depth in this process at all. No. Um, I think the game is as, if not more deep than it was in second edition, and it's a lot easier to play. And the pregame ritual of explaining what every single one of your models does to your opponent is gone. Um, you can give, you know, in, in really in less than four or five sentences, you can give somebody an idea of what they're up against because of, because of the uh, reduction in complexity. I think the other thing that is easy to say, too, is that, you know, when we were starting second edition and somebody new was starting, I was telling them, you're going to spend three, four games just figuring out what your crew does. Then you're going to spend the next mm -hmm. five games figuring out how to score schemes and strategies. Like, I think some of that has been brought down in this edition because, like, I can hand you a zip crew. I can give you a quick rundown of what he does. And in that game, 
you should be able to get a good idea of how he plays. Yeah, and, and this ties into what you brought up too, John, is that that commonality of abilities is, you know, when 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 you face your first model that has flurry, you don't have to learn it again next time you see flurry. You know, when you when no, you come across your yeah, you come across your first model with ride with me or fly with me, then you don't have to learn it again because ride with me and fly with me are the same with every model across the uh, game. And when your opponent has ride with me, you're like, oh, I know what that does. So, yep. you know, I think uh, when you look at a good example between second and third is when you look at Zip and Karis. So Karis had her ability in second edition, which was very similar to Zip's ability. And they were, but they were very, very different yep. mechanically. Now they both have the same thing. It does the same thing. It works the same way. But it has two different uses when you play it with Zip versus playing it with Karis. Yeah, a, a great example, John. That's a great example. All right, so um, we're now at the point in the podcast where we've decided that there's uh, the most powerful ma- uh, master is Zip, right? Yep. <laughs> so what I want to do is I want to throw uh, throw a bone to those non uh, Bayou players out there. So, John, when we get back from our break, I want you to talk about um, some things that people that play against Bayou can. Uh, can implement and some technology tech they can bring to their crews that uh, might might give zip a bad day so we'll be right back When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. As a non-Bayou player, this is my favorite segment, and that is how do I play against Zip? So, John, can you give uh, the listeners an idea, um, you know, what are things that you're hoping not to see uh, in the opposing crew uh, when you're playing Zip? Uh, Well, with Bayou in general, I really don't want to see armor. I really don't want to see shielded, incorporeal, incorporeal especially against Zip, because you can just walk through markers, and that's really, really frustrating. Um, I think Zip really I would fly too, right? Yeah, yeah. Being able to fly over things is is frustrating. Um, Bayou in general just does not deal well with anything that's going to just be hard to move off the table. The other thing I think is um, blow it to hell. Oh, right. Any models that can just flat out destroy uh, destructible, multiple destructible markers, Zip's going to have to figure out how to place his piano marker so that he's not losing all of them instantly. And that should give you mm-hmm. gaps to be able to shoot through or do whatever you need to do through. So we don't want to see that stuff. I think focus fire is probably one of the best ways to deal with zips crew. Um, it might come down to the point where you just have to ignore zip, let him do his thing and concentrate on the stuff that's going to hurt you. Like uh, the first mate or Mancha Roja or anything. If you can, if you can take, the first mate down to, you know, half his hit points in one shot, then it doesn't matter that he has butterfly jump because the next attack is just going to take him down. Yep. Yep. And, 
you know, I think looking at, you know, and this is true of anything, not just playing against zip, but looking at that zip crew and saying, you know, here's the pool. He's, here's what he's, you know, he's likely going to be going for who's scoring his points and anything that's not zip. If you can get them off the board, um, you know, that's its own form of denial. Killing Earl very early is a thing. Like, yeah, Earl definitely, um, he scores a lot of points for Zip in almost every game that I play. Now, granted, Zip offers concealment, so that's a little harder, but it's doable. Um, definitely getting rid of those key pieces. Also, just not taking interact-heavy crews. Like, mm-hmm. if you're going to try to score harness the ley lines against Zip, you're having a bad day. Now, I would imagine, going back to Earl real quick, John, I would imagine, you know, we're... We it sounds like Earl is very often near zip, yeah. Um, at least for part or not all of the game, you know. So when an opponent's sitting there and you know they've got zip who has got some really good defensive tech, um, and they've got maybe they've got that mask in hand or a stone to ready to, to use that mask for the defensive trigger. It sounds to me like maybe charging Earl is the way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and also remember that when Zip does his defensive trigger, Earl doesn't go with him because it's a place. Right. So you he leaves or he can accidentally leave Earl out in the cold, which is not where you want him to be. Um, now, Earl is going to try to do all his points as early as possible. So trying to disrupt that very quickly is a thing um, that you want to do. You want to definitely make sure that you keep him far out of reach of yep. any enemies. And, and John, how about... Um how how important are triggers for Zip and his crew? I mean, is stunned something that uh, really can have an impact? Yeah, stunning Zip is a is a big big issue. Um, stagger on Zip is a big issue. Being able to knock yeah. his movement down is big. The rest of the crew doesn't really care as much about stunned, but Zip especially does not want to not be able to, to draw that trigger out. Like he needs to be able to get away if you're going to target him. Now, when this comes when this comes out, John, it'll be uh, you know past release. Um, but we're recording this, you know, two weeks before the release of uh, M three E, and we've got a we've got a tournament um, the Saturday after release. Uh, and uh, I, I assume you're going to be playing Bayou. Yeah, yeah, definitely going to be playing Bayou, and uh, I expect Zip will show up. That's that's very very exciting. All right, well, John, I appreciate it, man. Um, it was uh, it was really good to have you. Um, you know, finally get on the show. You've been really um, one of the uh, the key resources when people have Bayou questions here in North Carolina. So um, I appreciate you sharing that knowledge, and we're going to have to bring you back because there's a lot of other Bayou masters um, that we're going to have to um, uh, chew through. So uh, I do appreciate it, my friend. I'm so excited to talk about every single biomaster. It's, it's ridiculous how excited I am to talk <laughs> about these guys. So. Well, it, um, I, I think that we're, we're seeing that enthusiasm really across the board. I mean, I played, you know, guild and Rezzers in second edition and, like I, I can't get over the fact, like I, you know, you a lot of times you think, you know, when the when a game changes editions, you know, you know, what is what new faction are you going to play? Well, my new faction is Rezzer <laughs> because it's not it's not yeah, the faction I yeah. played in second. And I think that's pretty true. I think Bayou and Rezzers are one hundred percent the most changed factions yeah. out there. Like Guild still pretty much plays like Guild. Thunder still pretty much plays like Thunders. Outcast still pretty much plays like Outcasts. Neverborn 
has a couple new tricks, but they still mostly play like Neverborn. I think Bayou and Rezzers got a huge facelift, um, which was probably needed. Um, I know it was needed in Bayou. Rezzers, I, I think they stepped away a little bit from summoning, which is cool. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad they did that because what ended up happening with Rezzers is if you weren't summoning, you were losing. Um, and whereas now that's not the focus. And even, you know, even uh, Von Stuck, which is kind of our new, you know, summoning master. If you listen to the Von Stuck deep dive, um, you know, that's really not what he does either, um, no. which I think is neat. But I, I completely agree. I think that uh, definitely for Rezzers, they got a huge facelift for the better. And it sounds like Bayou did as well. But I think that even for, you know, the Thunders and the Arcanists and um, Guild players out there, it's a brand new day because they're going to start playing Masters. They never played in second edition. No, I just played um, Hoff against Hoffman last night and uh, or a couple nights ago. And I, first of all, once again, Bayou hates armor, and that's all Hoffman is. But yep. I was just stunned by how fast that crew was. Like, he was just wherever he needed to be, whenever he needed to be it, be there. And I was just like, all right, well, um, I guess this is what I'm doing. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, It's exciting times, man. It's exciting times. And uh, if you and I get paired round one... Um, in two I'll weeks. I'll try not to mark us into your son again. <laughs> <laughs> so if for the, it was my first tournament, right? Never played a tournament, been playing the game, probably my third, fourth game ever. Um, I'd spent, you know, my first couple games getting the bejesus beaten out of me by, uh, Rasputina at the hands of Jimmy. So I come to my first tournament and, and you have to understand that as many games as I've played, I played all the GW games and everything. I've been playing, you know, uh, miniature games for 10 some odd years. I had actually never played in a tournament before because I really wasn't into the competitive scene in other games. Um, but because of how Malifaux is, I love the competitive scene for Malifaux. So I'm all excited. Never done this before. I put down my Sonia, all pretty and painted, ready to go. Uh, shake hands uh, with John. And he's got Marcus on the other side. And uh, top of turn two, there's no more Sonia. So <laughs> welcome welcome to Malifaux. Your, your Sonia was just like, and I measured it out too, you were just an inch in the Cerberus's range, and I was like, I'm going to put some fear into him, because I don't want Sonya getting anywhere near close to me. And then she was dead, and I was like, oh, well, now I feel bad. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal, man, and I'll tell you what, it, um, any of my listeners, when we meet in person, um, you know, I can tell you all the reasons why uh, Arcanists are just, you know, bad people play Arcanists. Um, that's just that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> all right. Well, I have a feeling you'll feel probably the same way about Zip by the time it's all said and done. <laughs> I, it sounds like it, my friend. It sounds like it. All right, John. Uh, like I said, thanks again. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, everybody take care. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate and write a review on this podcast so we can find more people almost as cool as you are. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube by searching for Third Floor Wars. That's T-H-I-R-D. We'll catch you next time on the third floor.